Good morning, church. If you've got your Bibles, please open them up to um, Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. I am so proud to be your preacher. Uh, $19,000 plus dollars were given to the Eastern European missions. I hope you've seen that in your bulletin. Wow. Thank you for saying I want to be a part of making sure everybody gets to hear about Jesus at least once. And uh, you're doing that in a major way by putting Bibles in the hands of people who could not have them any other way. So I just want to say thank you this morning. Proud to be your preacher. And also this, I need help. That's not just a lead into a sermon, it's a fact. I really, really need your help. You see, I'm serious about winning this war on worry that we've talked about the last couple of months. Not just preaching about it, but living it. Actually, no, enjoying it. And so I launched a series in the 1st of August called Peace Talks. You're aware of that. But you may not be aware how desperately I needed that series. Some of you have told me of how much it impacted you and how much you needed it, but I needed to say to all of you, I, I needed it in a huge way. You did know about my dad's cancer. You did know about his death. I wasn't prepared, however, how all of that since March was going to influence my schedule and the amount of responsibility that it placed on my shoulders, along with a shoulder full of responsibilities anyway. But so do you. You've got a full life. And that's why I believe the series on anxiety was important for all of us. And I want to say it again. I believe Jesus is absolutely speaking the truth when he says, you do not have to be anxious about anything. That anxiety is going to be a part of our lives on occasion, but it does not have to rule our lives. And I want you to know this, after 10 weeks, I'm better. I really am. And part of it is because uh, I've got this really cool mantra, this is a day that the Lord has made. Now, I'm not going to go through all that. You already know how it goes. But I've also got this great scripture, this great prescription for peace that I've all but memorized now. Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. I'm not going to go into that. You can look up Philippians 4, 4 through 9 for yourself. You can listen to the sermons online to get both the mantra and the scripture. But I've got to tell you, I'm grateful about the metaphor that I also am taking with me hopefully for the rest of my life, that, that, that I am my own air traffic controller of my mind. I'm the one that's in charge of allowing thoughts to, to either land and dump their cargo or to just move on. And there's some thoughts Satan really wants to land in your mind and maybe has already today. Maybe even walked in here chewing on them because you don't know how to break free from them. Man, I'm going to encourage you. Get that series. Because of the truth that it comes, it's just really blessed my life, and I know it's blessed so many others. But, man, I love that metaphor. And I want to say honestly again, I'm better. I think my wife will tell you that. I think my staff will tell you that, besides just me telling you that. But I will say this. I'm not anywhere near the level of peace that I've lived with before in my past. I've known more. I've known it deeper. I've known it wider in my life. And in part because of something that's a part of my present. 
It's stealing the joy of my life. It's stealing the peace of my life. And I'm the one responsible for it. I've given it permission um, to land in a big way in my life. I've given it uh, access to more of my life than it should have. And I just want to confess that to you this morning. I want to share it with you because some of you in this room struggle with exactly the same thing I do. And it is stealing our peace. It's stealing our joy. Here it is. I have not allowed Jesus Christ to be Lord of my screens. Not. For the most part, I've been the Lord of my screens. And maybe you have too. That has to change if I want to win the war over worry. Here's the dilemma. I am absolutely convinced that God can use every screen in my life for good. The screen of my television, God can use for good. Amen? The screen of my phone, God can use for good. Amen? The screen of my personal computer, God can use for good. Amen? Okay, we're all on the same track here. Uh, the phone's neutral. The screen's neutral. The PC's neutral. What's on that screen that I pay attention to? Not so neutral. It's not. And he can use it for bad. Satan can use it for destruction. And he can use it for unrest in our lives. And it's why so many of us in this culture especially are anxious. Particularly this little device right here. I need to share with you what God's been nudging me with. Because he's not just left me alone to, to just aim it at my life. He's, he's pushed me to aim it at yours. And so I'm going to do my best that I can to start what is going to be a three-week series that I'm entitling Lord of the Screens. I really believe that God has something that he wants to say specifically to this church at this time for us to hear for this community. And maybe you'll think the same when you hear the lens by which this series is going to come from. It's Romans chapter 12 verses 1 through 2. Let's read this together. Not out loud, but just together. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but you be transformed by the renewing of your minds. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, what his good and pleasing and perfect will is. May that be so. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, we come to you this morning knowing that our hearts are also connected with other hearts like those at Trinity Baptist who have gathered to break bread, who've gathered to hear the word preached, who've gathered to sing praises to your name. And we do that as a discipling body the world over, literally. But we remember our brothers at Trinity Baptist. Would you please be with John as he preaches the word this morning? Would you pour through him the gift of preaching as I'm hoping you will through me? Will you take his sack lunch of the lessons and turn it into a feast for his church like I'm hoping you will do this church, my family here? We so desperately need you, God, to help us learn to navigate these screens in our lives in a way that is different from the world. 
You've called us to that. We want to be obedient to that. But we need you to empower us to do it. For we ask it in Jesus' name and everyone said. For the next three weeks, this is going to be the passage that we use for the foundation. From what I believe is a direct word from the Holy Trinity. The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Because they want to speak into the lowly Trinity. The TV, the PC, and your phone. I guess some of you are thinking, come on, sportsman, what in the world could a couple of ancient scriptures like this say about something so modern, so technology-filled? And the answer I think you'll find is this. I think they can say a great deal. Romans 12, verses 1 and 2 is one of the timeless passages, I think, of all of scripture that God gives us about how we need to align our lives with this commitment we've made to saying, I want to make you Savior and Lord. But I also think it's just one of the ways that we get to see how this ancient text of the Scripture has such great application right now in modern times, regardless of our race, regardless of our culture, regardless of our our skin color, regardless of what country we're in. It doesn't matter. God's Word can speak into any situation of your life, friend. And I think Romans 12, 1 and 2 is going to show you that it can. I'm going to talk to you briefly this next couple of weeks about the content of your screens. I want to talk about the time spent using your screens. But I also want to be very clear about this. The time you need away from them. The Sabbath you need from your screens. Some of your kids are going to be stunned to know that this, these screens I'm talking about have not existed since the beginning of time. Most of them are very, very recent inventions. It shocks me how much we take for granted um, that they've just kind of been always. We were at uh, Mason, Texas. We've lost power over here to the right. Is someone playing with the lights or they just kind of go out? Okay. They may be sitting in the dark, but they ain't preaching in the dark. We got light here, brother. My, my daughter just shocked me. We're at Mason, Texas. We're doing a little turkey hunting with my son-in-laws. The girls are doing some stuff for the house with puzzles. And uh, we get there, and Tabitha and, and Travis arrive first. And she walks over and says, look at this. Show it on the screen, guys. She picked it up and went, It works. And it did. Some of you were shocked. Really? It was working now out there in Mason, Texas. They still got rotary phones connected to the phone system. And, and she said, what did you guys do when there wasn't a screen to tell you who was on the other end? We didn't know. She said, that's creepy. I said, what are you talking about? You had some of those portable phones in our house before we ever got cell phones. You've used something different than a rotary phone, yes, but you've used a a portable phone. She said, oh, yeah, but that was a long time ago. (laughs) And I guess it is a little bit. Uh, 20 years is a long time. But these inventions we're talking about are relatively new. To Tabitha, it was kind of like... When my grandmother would talk to me about the good old days of whenever they didn't have um, indoor plumbing. 
Now, she didn't attribute not having indoor plumbing to the good old days, but that was always thrown in with the good old days. We didn't have indoor plumbing. And I said, well, what did you do at night? She said, we had what was called a slop pot. <laughs> well, how did that work? She says, well, we used that when we couldn't go out to the outhouse. And I said, I mean, number one and number two? She said, yes. And I did, ooh, kind of like some of you were thinking and some of you are even saying. My grandfather, though, added the cherry on the top when he said, yeah, we used to go out to the outhouse and every now and then we'd have to take a shotgun with us. I said, well, why? He said, because of the coyotes and the snakes. And I don't think I said it out loud, but I wondered, it's a wonder they could go. <laughs> the first website came out on August 6, 1991. Just 1991. The first website. Now there's more than two billion websites. Gail and I didn't have internet in our home until about 1998. That was the year that Google was launched as a company. Google became an official word in the Oxford Dictionary in 2006. Isn't that hard to believe? We haven't been saying Google forever, kids. 2006, it became an official word in the U.S. language. Today alone, there's going to be 10 billion Google searches today alone. 15% of those searches will be for the first time. It was just 2007, just 12 years ago, that the iPhone was released. Just 12 years ago. Since then, a number of smartphones have hit the market. Some of you own them. Now almost everybody has a cell phone, and most of us, even in the world, have some kind of a smartphone. 17% of the world has a smartphone and does not have indoor plumbing. It has become such a part of our lives that when we forget our cell phone somewhere, there is actually a clinical psychological malady attached to it called nomophobia. Some of you are experiencing it today because you left your cell phone at home. How many of you in here are doing that? Okay, some of you are, all right. Thanks for being honest. We will pray for you. Access to emergency assistance practically anywhere. Spoken directions to almost everywhere. They can be used to text what time you're arriving for dinner. They can be used to order your dinner. If you're caught in traffic, you can let your wife know, your husband know, your child know you're going to be late. This week while I was away, some of you texted me, hey, we missed you. Loved Craig's preaching. Be careful about your job. Love the encouragement. Didn't cost you a dime. You're already paying for it. Didn't cost you any extra. Was there in a minute. Music to inspire you. Photos to make you smile. Games to play wives, moms, so that your four-year-old will allow you or your 14-year-old or your 44-year-old will allow you to take a bath by yourself. It is mind-boggling how these little devices can be so helpful. And it's mind-boggling how they can be so hurtful. Watch this. <laughs> That's funny. But what about driving? Uh, 
How many of you thought, Mom, that was kind of senseless, something, maybe even um, abusive to be texting while you're carrying your daughter? What about when you're driving your daughter? 4,000 deaths in only 19 alone have happened because of distracted driving this year, cell phones being the leading cause of almost 80% of them. So as helpful as these incredible little devices are, they can be equally as hurtful. And that's sobering for me to realize because they're not just distractions, they're responsible, listen to me, for long-distance bullying and slandering and tempting and theft and spending and even death. And I think every single one of us is painfully aware of those realities, but they don't they don't walk around inside us much. So I just want to bring them up to the surface this morning for a purpose. Because in view of those kind of dangers, now remember, I'm talking about the delight of cell phones as well as their danger this morning. In view of all of that and their capacity to both bless our lives and be this tremendous burden, to be incredibly helpful and to be hurtful, shouldn't we ask God for help with them? I mean, most of you in here are thrilled as parents that we have actual laws, laws on the books in regards to boundaries needed for driving, in regards to boundaries needed for drinking, in regards to boundaries needed for purchasing a gun and even using those guns. And I'm here to, to remind you, if you've not really considered this thought, this is more dangerous than any of those I've just listed. Any of them. And I'm not hoping that they put laws on the books, but I am asking this. Have you asked God how he would like to influence your life through them? Something that can be so hurtful and so helpful at the same time. One of the most deceptive influences of this little device is this. Is that they were billed and sold to us saying they will connect us. How many of your homes could I take that picture in? Again, I'm not trying to... You could take it in my house on occasion. Is that the norm or the occasion in your house? But they were billed to us as ways that they were to connect us together, right? They're not. They're disconnecting us at lightning speed. Which is why if you agree that Jesus deserves and needs to be Lord of how I conduct myself behind a wheel or behind a gun, or behind a badge, or behind a pulpit, or behind a teacher's desk, if we believe he needs to be Lord of all of those dangerous situations, shouldn't he be Lord of this device? He has to be. He will not tolerate not being. He wants you to know he insists on being Lord of your screens. He insists on being Lord of your screens. Just like he insists on being Lord of everything in your life if you're his follower. Now, if you're not a follower of Christ, this doesn't apply to you. But I'm speaking to largely people who are saying, we believe that Christ is not only the Savior of the world, but we're welcoming him to be Lord of our lives. And he's saying, really? Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do the things that I've asked you to do? said that over thousands of years ago, but he's saying it again today. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not welcome me to be Lord of your screens? Next slide, guys. 
I do not want this series to be a diatribe on all the woes of your television or the woes of your personal computer or the woes of your cell phone. I love them. And they're so helpful, so I really want to emphasize that today. This is a picture of me and my son-in-law. We went, while we were on vacation, we wrapped it up by going to a, a baby shower. My youngest daughter, who's pregnant, uh, threw for my oldest daughter, who's pregnant. That, yeah, score twice, December and March, baby. So my youngest daughter's throwing a shower, and we stopped for that. Well, the girls did all that girly stuff, and we went and did this, all right? But I'm showing you this because I use that. This last Saturday, I'm sitting in Starbucks having a cup of coffee, and uh, I go, I just really want Travis to know how much it meant to me that he put that together, uh, let loaned me one of his guns, and made that afternoon happen for us. And how thrilled I am to have him as my son-in-law. And so I shot him that picture and shot him a little text to go with it. And got a text back later. Had a great time too, Dad. Love these things. My uh, youngest, I said, who was pregnant, sent us a cute little video that I want to share with you very quickly if we can. Be sure the sound's up because it's short, guys. Be sure the sound's up. And uh, Tabitha said, I want you to see, Mom and Dad, the range of emotions in this pregnant child of yours. And this is what she sent on the iPhone. that some of you guys are thinking that's not just for pregnant women I can tell you that some of you women are thinking ain't just for women I can tell you that over the next three weeks we're going to examine the best ways I I hope that we can leverage all of this incredible technology to lead ordinary people into an extraordinary relationship with Jesus and hear me clearly church I believe we can I really do but we need to have a Lord over these screens. Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, Jesus says, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Did you notice the motivation there? God does not motivate us here because of his wrath. That's not how this starts. I, I, I'm looking for your worship in, my, in your life. I'm looking for you not to be conformed to the world and transformed in the image of my son. Because of, if you don't, you're toast. If you don't, I will be so angry. And we know that when God gets angry, he reveals sometimes his harshness. He can be harsh. He doesn't start there as a motivation, does he? Go ahead, next slide, guys. Because we know that God sometimes can use fire and hail and brimstone and snakes and disease to get his people's attention. Especially when they're going the wrong way. When they're endangering not only themselves but the legacy of their lives or the, that they're going to hand on to what it's like to love God and, and be loved by God. He, he sometimes has intervened in history and shows us he can be harsh. But he doesn't start there. It doesn't start with his harshness. doesn't start with his wrath. doesn't even start with his strength because God's bigger than you. Because he's stronger than you, and you will obey him. He doesn't start with any of that. There was a time when I was growing up in church that sometimes, no, I should say this, most of the time, it felt like anyways, fear 
was one of the biggest motivations behind behavior change for us teens especially. That because God was going to be mad or God was going to be angry or that God was going to be upset about fill in the blank, we had better be careful how we used our music or our cars or our alcohol or what movies we saw. Fear became the go-to motivation for our aligning of our lives with the will of God. I remember one that was kind of funky. Remember backmasking? When we were getting sermons on um, the dangers of certain albums like Ozzy Osbourne's music, you know, that would backmask was this little encoded message that if you played an album backwards, you'd hear this message. Well, supposedly the one in Ozzy Osbourne's was My Sweet Satan. So if you played that, that album backwards of Ozzy's, you would hear that. Well, that's kind of unnerving. But what was scary was playing it normal and forward and listening to Ozzy Osbourne's music. <laughs> My teen years were full of fear as the motivation which was employed to get us to change our behaviors. And, and that often led to more rebellion... And that often led to, like the scripture even says, where, where law increases, Romans chapter 5, sin increased. Grace abounds all the more with God, yea, God, for that. But where law increased, sin increased with it. And we saw that growing up. With it, you had better not. Listen to Paul's motivation for Jesus to be Lord of your life and to be Lord of your screens. In view of his mercy. Next screen, guys. In view of his mercy. Because God's been so gracious. Because God's been so kind. Because he's been so generous. Because of that. Align your life with him. Trust him with all of the things that he would desire for you to be and do in this world. If he would, if he would allow his son to die for you. What will he not give you that's not good? Romans 8 says. What will he withhold from you? Nothing. He's your dad, and if you thought your dad loves you, that's just that's almost like hate compared to the way God loves you. He wants you to have all that you can handle, is what the scripture tries to say over and over again. So I want to say this again. As you consider maybe letting God in on helping you call the shots of how you use this, I know initially that's going to be a little bit awkward. It's going to be a little bit defensive. But I'm going to ask you to consider it anyways. Because how we use those devices, how we use any screen, how we use any employment, how we use any recreation, how we use anything in our lives can be a tool for honoring God in the moment. Now I want you to notice one thing about this particular text. It says, um, I want you to be a living sacrifice. Next screen, guys. Paul says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice. Notice the state of the sacrifice. It's not dead. It's living. It's not once that you offer the sacrifice. It's daily. If you're praying the Lord's Prayer, you remember that, right? Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. You pray that every day. I'm asking you for my daily bread. I'm asking you for my daily provision for everything in my life, relationships, food, uh, what I need to do today at the job site, what, how I need to love my wife. I'm asking you, God, to give me forgiveness every day. I'm asking you to help me to forgive others every day. It's daily. 
So that's why I can ask this. I want you to be a living sacrifice. My blessings are daily, and so I'm asking you to honor me in such a, such a way that's also daily. You know what dead sacrifices are for? They're to appease an angry God. Now, you don't have to be a Christian to know that. Just look back at history. That's how you appease an angry God. You bring him a dead sacrifice. Jesus took care of that. God doesn't need your dead sacrifices. Jesus Christ died for you, friend. Took his sins upon himself that you deserved. Took the punishment you deserved. He took it upon himself. That sacrifice is dead. The Hebrew writer says once and for all, don't ever have to do it again. Not interested in your dead sacrifices. He is interested in your living. Your life. Every single day. So here's how the message reads. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you, of course, take your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping, eating, going to work, walking around life. And I might add in there your screen life. And you place that before God every day as an offering. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. God, all of me is yours, you say. You have jurisdiction. You have the right to guide and direct this life any way you'd like. What I say, what I do, what I listen to, what I spend my money on, what I plan for, what I think about, it's all for you. I wanted to honor you. Now that's Paul's encouragement to those who are living under the name of Christ. Here's my question. Does it describe you? Or does that just sound like a reading from an ancient book? Modernized a little bit, but just a reading from an ancient book. It's a question I'm having to ask myself. Here's where we begin our discussion about screens. For the record, it's exactly the same place we're going to begin our discussion about money in January. For the record, it's the same place we're going to begin our discussion about sexuality in the spring. Any area of your life that you might consider personal, excuse me God, off limits, we got to start here in 1 Corinthians 6.20. What the young man read so early in our service today and did such a great job doing. 1 Corinthians 6.20 says, you were bought with a price, therefore glorify God with your body. Nothing about me is off limits. Nothing. If I'm a follower of Christ. Because when I decide to follow him, I'm giving him my life as a living sacrifice that he, that he asked for. Let me give you this image if I can. Some of you are familiar with it, maybe even heard it before. In regards to the Knights of Templar. They were soldiers in Europe's, uh, especially uh, Britain's army. Whenever they would go to battle, the Knights were allowed to be baptized as a way to cleanse them. It wasn't just once or twice, but, but whenever they went to battle, they were offered the opportunity to be baptized, and they were allowed to leave their sword up high out of the water. Because they were saying, all of this needs to be saved. Lord, you're Lord of all of this, but this you're not. This, this, this is my business, not your business. Now, that probably doesn't parallel you, does it? Oh, come on. Now, we wouldn't have a sword, but we would have this. How many of you who are baptized today would say, Lord, you got access to save and to be Lord over all this, but as I take you down to lay this, but not this. 
I get to decide what photographs I take and display to the world. I get to decide from what I watch from this website or that website. I get to decide what I text and when I text. I get to decide, fill in the blank, of all the things that you can do with this little device and can be done to you. It's the three in one. It's the lowly trinity. More and more, I don't have to talk about separately the television or the PC or the phone. It's the three in one. Not the holy trinity, but it is the lowly trinity. And most of America worships this trinity more than the holy trinity. It does. That's why Paul would say, how dare you be pressed into that mold? How dare you? That's not for us. We're aliens in this world. We're strangers here. We're headed to a better place, a higher place. And so we've got to live a higher life. Because heaven's not just something that happens in the old by and by. No, the kingdom of God is broken into this world now. And God needs for you to show off the kingdom through your life now. So that they might be drawn into a kingdom forever. Please don't decide, Jesus, you can have the right to save me, but you do not have the right to lead me. Jesus says, all right, then you need to hear this, Luke 14 and verse 33. In the same way, those who do not give up everything, everything you have cannot be my disciples. You need to go do something else. Jesus said that. Jesus begged nobody to be saved, enjoy the rights of sonship that he enjoyed, the right to be able to live forever. He didn't beg anybody. He just he came and preached. He came and extended. He came and invited. Come on, you want in on this. Uh, the cross is the deal of the century. The resurrection is, is the sign of the century. That y- you worried about death, it's the most scariest thing that we face in this world. Handled. You want in on this? Come on. But know this is going to cost you everything. It doesn't mean you have to give it all up. It just says you've got to give it over. Amen? You can keep your stuff. He needs you to use your stuff in different situations and circumstances. He just wants to be Lord of it all. And He deserves to be. Amen? Come on, folks. He deserves it. What He sacrificed compared to what I got to sacrifice. So little. That's why you can say, I want it all. I want it all. So, here's where we're going to be going with this. What mold do you and your family look like in the use of this device here? And we're going to focus on this again because it really has become the lowly trinity in itself. Our television, our PC, and our phone. It's going to at least represent it in my messages. But it really involves all the screens of your life. Which mold are you being pressed into? Are you being pressed into the world's mold? Are you being transformed into God's mold for how the cell phone's used? You know what molds are. Wrap this up with this illustration. Um, I'm not too much of a fan of Christmas cookies. I like looking at them. Don't like eating them that much. My, my wife, I, I'm told, makes a great Christmas cookie. And the girls love to make them, but I'm not a big fan of them. But I, I think the molds are kind of cute. 
We use them sometimes even as, as decorations on our trees after they've, they've made their cookies with them. Well, I, I couldn't help but laugh this week as, as I listened to Kyle Adam talk from the Southeast Christian Church about some molds that he and, his, he, and his wife, he and his wife and family used. She had gone to a thrift store, found some on sale, thought they were really cute, took them home, made some cookies for all of the neighborhood and handed them out. They got some Snickers and, and uh, people kind of looked at them strange. And then they went home and they examined the molds again and this is what they saw. Now, I just knew you wouldn't get this. Those are marijuana molds. <laughs> it's a very unique way of celebrating the birth of Christ. <laughs> but they handed those out to their neighbors. The preacher of the largest church in Kentucky, 20,000 members handing out marijuana cookies. Don't you love that? We love the humor in it. But I think in the same way a lot of us would say, I don't mean to be molded into the image of the world. But you are. It's what happened in their home, and then it's what happened when it got taken out into the neighborhood. Even if it was by accident, even if that was unintentional, it's what they shared. And I believe with all of my heart, some of you, not so innocently after today, have been using this thing in ways that have nothing to do with God. They are not holy. And they are not pleasing. Listen to me. And he wants you to stop. Stop. It's not your phone. It's his. It's not your lowly trinity. It's not. It's a matter of public record. We live in a culture that is unashamedly, unmistakably working night and day to influence you and to put you into their mold. Listen to me. They are advertising it. They are making no bones about it. They are there to woo you and to mold you and to shape your influence for their good, their goods, their needs, for their political issue, whatever. They are after you to mold you. You do not get to live in this um, value-neutral society. It has an agenda. The ancient scriptures talked about it 2,000 years ago as the world, as the culture. God says you're going to have to resist that. And you're going to have to lean into me to be in a different mold. Now, I don't have time to talk about how that looks because we're out of time. We're going to come back next week, but I want to say this. I have found in my life that there are three necessary ingredients for life change. Next screen, guys. Uh, they've already heard that one. This one. Awareness, action, and almighty God. If I want real and lasting, sustainable change for the good, I need awareness, I need action, and I need Almighty God. That's really not the order. That's just the package. All I had time to talk about this week is to help make you aware of where we are as a culture and where God is calling us to. All I have time to do today is that, is to make you aware. Next week we're going to talk about some action steps. But to help you be aware of what's going on in your own home, here's what I need for you to do. Please pick up one of these on your way out. It's called the Lord of the Screens seven-day digital detox. Okay? The Lord of the Screens seven-day. It's going to start out real easy. All you have to do today 
is simply look and see how much screen time you're spending on your phone. Go to settings if you've got an iPhone. Uh, pull that up and it'll show you screen time and it'll tell you exactly how you're spending your screen time. There's a couple of things you could pop on there that'll show you about how much entertainment you're watching. It'll show you how, much, how many things that you're doing for uh, work-related, production they call, whatever. You can do that. Those of you who have an Android, um, get an iPhone. No, I'm just joking. Uh, <laughs> those of you who have an Android, you can get an app that'll allow you to see that in your phone. You may have that. On, I just don't know much about Android, so this is done through the iPhone. I'm, I apologize for that. But we're going to start light today. It gets a little bit more difficult each day, a little bit more demanding, and it ends with, listen to me, next Saturday, a Sabbath from all screens. What? Are you kidding me? Deal? No screens? People live this way for thousands of years, people. You can make a day. Now, I'm giving you six to gear up, <laughs> to pray yourselves up. But Texas A&M is playing next Saturday, and I want to watch it. Whatever's going on, again, I'm going to say, there's some of you have got work to do, uh, phone calls you've got to return, but there's some specific things on here they are going to walk us through just being, listen to me, remolded a little this week, okay? Placed in a different mold than you were operating in before you came into this message today. Just to make you aware. That's it. Um, we're going to take some more action next week. But we are going to ask Almighty God to help us all three. Let's pray. Father, we come to you this morning grateful that even when we will not allow you to be Lord over areas of our life, you still are our Lord. You still choose to extend your grace and mercy into our lives as you wait for us to become aware of how hurtful and dangerous areas of our life not under your lordship can be, as we become aware of what we're missing or the restlessness and the anxiety that's so much a part of our lives has become so overwhelming, we're, we're crying out for help. Whatever the cause, help us this week to become aware of how our screens are either pleasing to you or not pleasing, are either holy to you or unholy. You deserve our best because you gave your best. And we just come to say thank you. In Jesus' name, everyone said. If you want to get in on this Christ thing, Christ follower thing, I'm going to be standing right down here this morning and willing to hear, hey, I want that cross for myself. I want that resurrection, that hope of that for myself. Come talk to me. If you're here this morning and you're saying, I don't know that I can do this, I'm going to have some elders at the back. I'm going to be down here and so are some of the other elders to pray for you and to, to say, how can we help you? Anyway, if you need an accountability partner, we'll do what we can. But the rest of us, we're just standing. Let's just praise him, okay? Let's go.